and welcome everybody to the Andrew Cooperwriter Show. Of course, I'm your host, Andrew Cooperwriter, and today we'll be covering the Amber Sprodlin case, an unfortunate murder that has turned into a political football. Then we'll be discussing how 100 Kentucky National Guardsmen are being deployed over to Asia, a place where we are not currently in declared war, last I checked. Finally, we'll discuss how the Blue Oval says they're bringing 22,000 jobs to Hardin County. We'll have all that and more today on the Andrew Cooperwriter Show. But before we dig into it, please make sure, as always, you like, comment, share, subscribe. If you're listening to this on Facebook, on YouTube, on Twitter, make sure you follow the page. Make sure you sign up for notifications. If you're on Facebook or Twitter, please share it. Please comment. Please let others know about it. And as always, you can listen to this in an audio-only format on our podcasting platforms, such as Spotify, Apple, and as such. Listen there. And if you are listening there, please, if you enjoy the show, leave a review. If you don't enjoy the show, don't leave a review. I don't want it. Without further ado, let's dig into it. All right, the Amber Spradlin case. And hopefully I'm saying her last name right. Um, If I'm not, please forgive me, because obviously anybody who has passed in such a horrific way, the last thing we need is a random podcaster saying, your name wrong. But Amber Spradlin, uh, back on June 18th, 38-year-old Amber, on, um, I guess it was Saturday night into Sunday morning. Sunday morning was found uh, murdered, stabbed 11 times in Floyd County. Now, generally speaking, uh, you know, murders happen all over Kentucky every day, unfortunately. Obviously, Louisville has seen massive increases. Obviously, Lexington sees their fair share of murders as well. And all across the state, we do see these murders. But why is this case so interesting? Well, it's been turned into a little bit of a political football. Because other than just the unfortunate murder, there is some interesting topics to cover with the situation. And the biggest thing here is that there's a 911 call made five hours before a second 911 call to say that her body was found in a home. Now it is unclear on whose home it is. There is some speculation over whose home it is based upon uh, some early reports of what residence she was at. And some people, uh, as it's reported to me, believe it is in the home of a uh, high end Bashir donor, whether or not that has anything to do with it, you can be the judge. I'm not going to pontificate on that because I don't even know if it's factual. If she was found in the home of the, the so-called Bashir donor, but it it definitely could add to some of this political situation. And like I said, I'll dig into it here, but a 911 call was made uh, in the evening, Saturday evening. And as it's been described, because the 911 call hasn't been released yet because, well, it's, it's uh, an ongoing investigation and perhaps that might deal with some evidence. But anyways, the 911 call, the initial one made has been characterized as people saying, oh, there's drunk people in the house. And for whatever reason, it was determined that a police response was not necessary, that nobody was, quote unquote, in danger based upon the information given over the phone call. Then five hours later, another call was made stating that Amber had uh, been murdered and um, the police were quick and immediate to respond to that call. 
Now, at first, this just sounds like a situation of, hey, let's wait to hear what that first call had to say. Is it reasonable or not for dispatch to have not sent somebody? I mean, obviously, we see all hauled in, hindsight's twenty twenty, but is is based upon what was said on the call, where was the dispatcher asking, okay, what's going on? What do you need help with? The person just calling saying, oh, they're, they're being allowed at the house next door or if the call was from within the home. But it's it, it characterized as just a call where they said drunk people are in the house. There's nothing to indicate that a police response was required or necessary. And there was certainly no mention of Amber in that phone call. But then we get into the politics of the situation. First, got to understand who the players are. Now, I, I want to disclose to you. During my time while I was running for state treasurer, I did sit down for several hours with the judge executive of Floyd County, Robbie Williams, as well as Les Stapleton, the mayor of Prestonburg. Uh, I, I've talked to him a numeral, numerous of times. Um, we've had some conversations. Uh, we're not friends. It's not like we call each other and talk about our days, but I would say that we are friendly. I just want you to know that uh, as going into this for just full disclosure. But let me tell you about who the players are. First, we have Keith Bartley. He's the county attorney. Understand he is a registered Democrat. Uh, I'm not going to say that Keith himself is corrupt, but if anybody who knows Kentucky history knows that Eastern Kentucky Democrats don't exactly have the best reputation for being on the up and up. Um, in fact, I find it laughable when people talk about uh, Kentucky's elections and, and we act like uh, there's never been any issues in our elections or that uh, things don't happen. Elections aren't quote unquote stolen or what have you in Kentucky when it's a well-known joke that you need to, for a long time, politicians had to run a bagman down to Eastern Kentucky to drop off cash to consultants in order to purchase the votes in that area. But putting that to the side, uh, let's, let's get rid of the history of Democrats in Eastern Kentucky being incredibly corrupt. Let's talk about Keith. In fact, Keith Bartley, the county attorney in 2018 had the collections of child support payments contract from the state revoked from him. So something county attorneys do in a lot of our counties here in Kentucky is collect up child support and they are reimbursed for doing that. But Keith Bartley's contract with the state to collect up those child support payments uh, was ended. Why? Well, because he threatened to burn down Governor Bevin's house and then strangle to death, or sorry, choke to death, as a quote, a state employee. Something, by the way, this claim was substantiated enough. This was the stated reason why he was sued. And then he went to sue for his right to somehow continue with that contract as county attorney. A settlement was reached, and based upon my research, that settlement reached between them didn't involve him getting to take back over child support collection uh, and under Bevan, at least um, it simply ended with him agreeing to allow Madison County to continue handling the collections while uh, he then in turn wanted him be investigated for whether or not he actually made the claims that he wanted to burn down the governor's house and choke to death a state employee. So that's one of the people we're dealing with here. Keith Bartley, Democrat. Um, 
apparently want, wanted to burn down Matt Bevan's house. Supposedly. Sorry, not apparently. Supposedly wanted to burn down Matt Bevan's house. Then you have a Floyd County Judge Executive, Robbie Williams. He's a registered independent. He's in his second term now. And then you also have, finally, Les Stapleton, the mayor of Prestonburg. So you got to understand what's going on in counties like Floyd. See, in eastern Kentucky, Democrats have had such a stronghold for so long. In fact, the registrations are very flip-flopped. But yet Republicans locally are seeing more and more of a victory. It's almost a delayed wave. We started seeing them go for presidential candidates. And then over time, we have saw their state house reps or state senators go for Republicans. And now we're starting to see your local politicians, your judge executives, your mayors, your others start to become more conservative and more Republican. And certainly Democrats in the area don't like that. And, you know, and, and I'm aware that Keith Bartley was not getting along well with the fiscal court, which is, you know, for those of you who are unaware, uh, Kentucky counties are ran by a fiscal court, which is headed up by the judge executive. And then that court is made up of magistrates. So the judge executive, to, to describe it this way, it's like, the judge executive is like the mayor of a county, and then the fiscal court is like the city council members of the city, okay? So the magistrates are like city council members, but it's of the county, okay? So it's kind of like a mayor and city council, but at a county level. And so it's it's been well known that the um, county attorney here, Keith Bartley, has not gotten along well with the fiscal court in Floyd County. I've been aware of this for quite some time. And what what happened here and how this is coming into play is that KSP. So if it's in the city, right, Prestonsburg has a police department. And then if it's out in the county, it's KSP. It's mainly fallen to to kind of help fill in that gap where, you know, some counties have the sheriff's departments that handle a lot of calls out in the county. Well, in this case, it's been KSP who's responded a lot to the calls out in the county. And for a long time out in the county, if you called 911, it would go to KSP's central dispatch. And then from there, they would hand the call out. Now, understand, too, KSP doesn't run uh, the ambulatory service, so they would have to refer that call over to the fire departments and as such in that area. And then if they needed a police response and it was within the jurisdiction where KSP was to cover, it's in KSP. If it was somewhere else, like somehow it was in Prestonsburg, well, then they would contact the local Prestonburg police to go deal with the issue. But KSP, dispatch service, 911 service, wanted to charge double what it was charging the county before in order to continue to provide the dispatch service. So the judge executive, Robbie Williams, and the fiscal court decided to contract instead with the Prestonsburg Dispatch Service, their E911 dispatch service. I'm getting to why this is important. So now the county attorney, remember Keith, he didn't like this. He thought it was a horrible idea. Now, his actual reason for thinking his horrible idea is most likely because he didn't think it, it wasn't his idea. Um, I don't think it had anything to do with uh, him actually believing the mechanics of it. It's stated that during the, the meeting, he said KSP wouldn't respond to calls anymore and people would die because of it. And he's pointing to that as if he could tell the future, ignoring the fact that in this situation with this response, 
KSP didn't not respond to a call. The dispatch center decided to not dispatch it out to the police at all because the call did not seem to warrant a response from KSP that was necessary. So they claim that, well, if you do this, KSP won't respond anymore. But it was still going to fall to KSP if they want to respond. And Prestonburg's police, if they so chose, could respond to the calls if it was out in the county. But then they would get to charge the county for the response to the calls. Okay? And so the bigger question here is why was the county attorney really against it. Like I said, his stated objection isn't even what came to fruition in this point, even though he is using this as a political opportunity. I think it has to do with it wasn't his idea. And of course, the people that he uh, was battling, it's about the politics of the situation. Nothing more, nothing less. You have a Republican and an independent. He doesn't like that. And so he's going to do everything he can to fight them, to make them look bad, because he wants to see Democrats win again in Floyd County. And he's using this situation to make that happen. So the county sends a contract with the city dispatch services. And then when this call came in that was originally placed uh, about Amber, it went to the Pressenburg Dispatch Center, where a dispatcher there determined on that first call that a police response wasn't necessary. Now you can't judge. This has nothing to do with the contract. This has to do with the individual dispatcher. You see, right now you have the county attorney that's definitely on the side of Amber's family and Amber's family's hurting. And I understand they want to blame somebody or something right now. They don't know who the murderer is right now. They don't know uh, uh, openly who the suspects are and they want somebody to blame. And they're going to blame it on, and, and I understand too, imagine you had a daughter, a friend, a mother, where a 911 call was placed from a residence where they were then five hours later found to be murdered. You too would be very upset. We can't throw the entire process or plan under the bus. Right now, the Amber family is asking Governor Bashir to sign an executive order to force 911 dispatch to go back to the state. Something that I would doubt. I, I, I doubt the, the claim and the ability to do that because remember the reason why they switched in the first place was the cost. The fact that the cost was going to double and forcing a county to pay that. I mean, it's just a fact of the matter is Eastern Kentucky is hurting financially. You had Democrats in charge when the money was flowing, whether from actually having jobs like coal jobs out there or from the coal severance fund. And now things are starting to dry up. And it's a matter of numbers. You don't have a lot of choices here. And if you're going to force them to use a service that costs twice as much, are you going to give them the money to do it? What services are you okay with being cut out in the county? On top of that, to point to say that we need to spend thousands upon thousands upon thousands of dollars more as a county to give this service over to somebody else simply because a dispatcher made a judgment call that maybe was wrong or right, it seems a little extreme. And ultimately, it seems premature. How can you claim that KSP dispatcher wouldn't do the same thing, which is so funny because 
the county attorney here, Keith Bartley, claims that it's all Prestonburg's dispatch's fault. But he himself has never actually listened to the call. This is from the judge executive who did listen to the call, Robbie Williams. He said, there was no information conveyed during the initial 911 call that gave any ind indication whatsoever to the dispatcher that Amber Sprodlin was present in the home or that a law enforcement response was needed at the residence. He also said, County Attorney Bartley, in a letter, had admitted that he hadn't listened to the call, even though he has access to it. He hadn't listened to the call yet. He decided uh, it was not important for him to pass a judgment on the situation because, of course, he already had a claim in his mind. If he had listened to the 911 call, I would take his opinion a lot more serious. Because as I said, you can't claim that the Preston dispatchers are somehow untrained or this was a bad call until you get a lot of KSP dispatchers who don't know that this is from a, a call where somebody was found uh, murdered five hours later to listen to this call and ask how they would respond to it. And if a good portion of them say, I, I mean, I can't, I can't send the police out. It didn't seem to be necessary for that. Well, then you obviously can't blame this on the dispatchers uh, in present. That would be the clear and straightforward thing to do, but that's not what he wants. He wants to embarrass the county. That's what the county attorney does to the point where during a press conference, it looked like he was passing notes to the family that is filing a lawsuit or going to be against the county. The county attorney is supposed to be the office that defends the county against lawsuits. But instead now, the county is going to have to go out and pay money for an outside attorney because their attorney that they should be using is conspiring with the people who are suing them. This death is horrific. But it's pretty clear to me, just looking at it. And like I said, let's hear that call before we pass a judgment on anything. To pass any judgment before hearing the call would tell me that you're trying to take a horrific situation and make it political. That is my opinion. You can disagree with me. Some of you may be really, really well uh, informed on this case. Feel free to message me. You can message me on Facebook or email me at info at theandrewshow.com. That's info at theandrewshow.com. I'm happy to hear from you. But looking over the official reports, looking over the different articles from the time, talking to people I know in the area, talking to people directly involved with this. I don't see how this isn't another example of a person who's already proven that he's unhinged politically. This county attorney, Keith Bartley, it is not him trying to take advantage of this horrific murder for political reasons. That's truly awful. That's truly awful. Well, coming up after this, uh, Kentucky Guardsmen, 100 National Guardsmen are being deployed to Asia. We'll discuss uh, that right after this short break. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. 
And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. All right, 100 National Guardsmen in Kentucky are deploying to Asia. Was asked the question, what is the point of our National Guard in the first place? Now, and the reason why I'm asking that is because obviously, at least in part, if not most of, the National Guard is paid for out of our tax dollars. Now, when they get deployed for national issues, not state issues, uh, we get reimbursed for that by the federal government. But what was the National Guard originally for? Well, obviously, it has a long history. It started out as militiamen who were mainly there to defend against things like Indian attacks and others. And then it grew to deal with a more uniquely domestic issues. Uh, National Guard have been um, pushed out to deal with issues in Texas and out west a few times, and as well as domestic disputes here at home, like the, uh, was it the Black Patch Tobacco Wars? where the uh, Western Kentucky tobacco farmers and the American tobacco company got into a little tiff that was uh, uh, pretty violent. And, you know, the National Guard had to be used in those situations. But typically speaking, the National Guard has only been deployed overseas in times of war. But ever since the early 2000s, a lot of that has changed. It's become, and I said traditionally, I'm not saying they've never been deployed overseas without Congress formally declaring war, but definitely wasn't as often as we're seeing now. And now Joe Biden is calling them up and sending them overseas. Now, the way it used to be, where you had to have a former formal declaration of war from Congress, because remember, the president can't declare war. They can do operations, quote unquote, and that's what they do. These deployments are operations, because last I checked, Congress hasn't formally declared war on anything over in Asia, though, well, at least these parts of Asia. And yet, uh, we still are seeing our National Guardsmen called up and sent over there. Now, a lot of that can do with the fact that, quite frankly, our national military is severely lacking in recruitment. No surprise there, as our military has become more and more about pushing forward crazy, woke things, including creating diversity officers and um, pushing pushing out uh, TikTokers who are talking about how they transition while they're in the military, transition genders. In the military, and the list goes on and on. We're seeing all-time high sentiments of veterans saying they would never push their children to serve in the military. And because we're falling so short with our national military, it's left Biden in situations where he's deploying more and more of these soldiers. In fact, recently over to Europe, he called up uh, some IRR, individual ready reserve, 
soldiers out towards uh, Europe near the Ukraine situation. A pretty crazy thing to do when you figure that IRR means these soldiers don't drill regularly. They're not a part of the National Guard. It's saying that we are so short in enlistments and people who can fulfill jobs that we have to call up people who haven't served for years and don't actively drill and are just supposed to be staying individually in fighting shape just in case we need them. But how do we put a check on this? How do we check? Because as we see all across this country, more and more conservatives are concerned with how we're engaging ourselves in conflicts overseas, that we're spending a lot of money there while we have issues raging at home, while individuals are struggling to put meals on the table, pay for childcare, housing, the list goes on and on, fuel. We are sending billions of dollars in our troops overseas to fight in so-called wars that we never agreed to, that Congress has never declared. Well, enter a push that we've seen out of a lot of states. We've seen this here in Kentucky a little bit, though it never really catches on. I wonder why. Called the Defend Our Guard Bill. It's a simple bill that says the only way that Kentucky National Guardsmen are allowed to be deployed because obviously they're under the control of the governor. Governor has to agree to it. But the only way, or the state government has to agree to it, the only way that our soldiers are allowed to be deployed overseas is if there's a formal declaration of war from Congress. This provides a natural check on presidential overreach and involving us in conflicts all around the globe. Um, if you don't have enough people that agree with what you're doing that you can't pull from your recruitments, you can't pull from those who have signed up to voluntarily serve, well, then that provides a check on it while at the same time ensuring that our tax dollars here in the state are here. And our men and women who have signed up to serve are serving a purpose that they're meant to. They're meant to defend our nation and defend our state, not defend some sort of geopolitical interests that haven't been clearly articulated to the American people at all. This creates buy-in. It forces the federal government to rein in its endless wars while at the same time saving the lives of men and women here in Kentucky. I personally support the Defend Our Guard bill. It makes a lot of sense. And it's a way that states can step up and say, we're tired of how the federal government continues to spend our money. Well, coming up after this, we're going to be talking about the Blue Oval. It says they're bringing in 22,000 jobs into Harding County. Um, we'll take a deep dive on that number. We'll, uh, there's some math problems here. We'll go over that after this. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code POD. That's ShipStation.com with the code POD. 
This episode is brought to you by JLL. Get an insider view into the world of commercial real estate with JLL's podcast, Trends and Insights, the Future of Commercial Real Estate. Whether you're curious about making cities more sustainable, the evolution of office space, or AI opportunities, this podcast will help keep you a step ahead. Tune in for candid conversations with business leaders about the biggest trends impacting how we live, work, and play. Subscribe to Trends and Insights now at jll.com slash podcast. So Blue Oval reports it will grow Hardin County by 22,000 people. Now, let me give you a little math here. Okay, so the current amount of people in Hardin County, current population is 123,000. So here's our first problem. That is a massive growth in people. It requires massive amounts of infrastructure improvements and uh, the county expanding its services. But there's a problem here. You see, counties make their money uh, off of these businesses paying taxes, whether that's occupational tax, property tax, so on and so forth. The problem here is that the deals that have been cut are leaving these counties without much revenue for at least the first several years, the inability to afford the growth. This isn't me just proclaiming this. While I was running statewide, I sat down with mayors and judge executives in the Harding County area. And what I can tell you is that they were greatly concerned with how they can financially handle that kind of growth. If they're going to have the growth at all. And what do I mean by that? Well, Harding County, see, they're saying they're bringing in 22,000 people, but they're really saying is we're bringing in jobs and those jobs should bring in people. But I, I ask you, how are they going to fill these jobs? Do they think people are going to move? Are they unaware of the situation going on, not just in Kentucky, but all over the country, that there are jobs everywhere? They say the jobs are starting out at $21 an hour. Have you seen the news? UPS drivers are now apparently going to be, after five years, making on average $170K a year after benefits. $170K a year. $21 an hour isn't the kind of groundbreaking money that causes people to move for jobs. It may cause some people to drive from outside the county. So that means they've got to pull in these jobs from somewhere. But where? Well, Hardin County unemployment? Let me tell you. There's 47,000 people in the workforce in Hardin County. Only 2,100 of them are currently looking for a job. The other portion are employed. So they have 22,000 jobs in a county that only has 2,100 people, according to current statistics, that are unemployed. What's even more interesting about this situation is, according to the Census Bureau, there are 97,000 people between the ages of 18 and 65. But remember, I said only 47,000 people are working in Harding County. And that's the real problem. You see, our states, governments, and counties claim that, well, we need more money. But because, you know, we need more money to continue doing what we're doing. And because we need more money... To, in order to do things like give, remember this project, the Blue Oval Project, Ford Project, the state government gave $410 million in cash to Ford or $350, $60 million in cash, $20 million in free land and another $10, $15 million in free training. 
another several money here or there. So gave them hundreds of millions of our money to this company. But they say, look, we need more money in our state. We need more tax revenues. We don't have it. Yeah, do we have half a billion dollars to give to private companies in a year? Sure, but we don't have it. So we've got to raise taxes, but we can't raise them on the individual because at a certain point we're going to break because obviously we are currently, our incomes, when you add up your income tax, your sales tax, all the other taxes, all the excess expense you pay and items due to the taxes, due to the cost of manufacturing and making them due to a lot of the regulations and taxes, about 50% of your income goes to taxes. How much more can a person handle? Really can't. So they say, well, we need to expand out the tax base. That's another clever term for saying we need more people working. We need more jobs so we can pull in more money by taxing more people. But that's not the problem we have in Kentucky. We don't have, we can't, and I've said this time and time again, you can't solve a problem saying we don't have enough money to pay for what we need to pay for. This is the claim of the state. I'm dubious of this claim because they gave half a billion to Ford. But anyways, they make this claim that we don't have enough money as a state to operate. We need more money. So we need more people to tax from. And the way they're going to solve that, they say, is by growing the population. But that's not their problem. Growing the population doesn't solve it. If you can't afford to provide the services you need to provide to the current amount of people in here at the current taxing scheme, what makes you think if you add in more people in our 22,000, 30,000, a million more people, you're going to have the money? Because the problem we have isn't unemployment. The problem we have is that for some reason in Hardin County, you have 97,000 people between the ages of 18 and 65, but only 47,000 of them need to work. You know, recently there's been this song by Oliver Anthony that's taking the world by storm. Maybe you've heard it before. It's called Rich Man North of Richmond. That's obviously referring to D.C. I'm going to play a little bit for you here. I wish politicians would look out for miners And not just miners on an island somewhere Lord, we got folks in the street Ain't got nothing to eat And the whole beast milking welfare Well, God, if you're five foot three And you're three hundred pounds Taxes ought not to pay For your bags of fudge rounds Young men are putting themselves Six feet in the ground Cause all this damn country does is keep on kicking them down Lord, it's a damn shame What the world's gotten to For people like me People like you Wish I could just wake up And it not be true But it is It's no wonder that that song has blown up And it's taken the world by storm Well, at least the country by storm It's because we all feel it I'm putting into numbers the feelings he is describing. You have half the workforce working. And what did our government do? They decided to take $410 million from the half of us that 
are working and give it to a Fortune 500 company so they can bring in more jobs that don't solve the issue. Because once again, Hardin County has only 2,000 people looking for jobs. There's more jobs available in Hardin County than there are people looking for them. And they think that people are going to move there all on a promise of a job at what I think is a shoddy business model in the first place with these electric vehicles and batteries to an area where they expect them to handle this explosive growth without having any tax revenues because of the deals they've cut, meaning they're going to have to tax more and more the working person. Why? So they can trade one BS job for another $21 an hour isn't enough to make anybody move their whole lives. It's enough to draw people in and get people to commute maybe 30 minutes or so. But it's not enough for people to move. If you're looking around in that area and you're saying, we don't have 22,000 people within an hour of here looking for a job, you're not going to fill them. They're not new jobs. They're not new people working. $21 an hour is not enough to make the half of people that, as Oliver Anthony just said, are milking welfare, get off their butts and decide to go work. Instead of giving our money to these giant corporations to then create more of a job crunch in our areas where the same 50% of people now they're competing with, which is just going to push out more and more employers. They're going to lower their standards or they're not going to be able to operate anymore, which is going to cause prices to go up because labor is naturally going to go up. All labor in the area is going to get more expensive. Everything's going to get more expensive, not because people are making more, but because there's now a big employer in the area paying an amount. And so some people will be going over to there, but the price of everything is going to raise because they literally can't afford employees. They're competing with $21 an hour because they're going to have to hire whoever they can find with a pulse. They're not going to be able to have standards over there. That means your, your 19-year-old restaurant workers are now making electric batteries for 21 bucks an hour. You say, that's great, but where are they going to eat at? Your Kroger, grocery, your Kroger grocery store workers are now making $21 an hour making batteries, but where are they going to buy their food at? The price of everything is going to go up so incredibly high. And meanwhile, everybody whose wages aren't going up, which will be the vast, vast majority of people, or it will go up fractional, the cost of everything will raise and they won't have the money. See, this comes from, and this is what, once again, that song's hitting on. These people who want to control everything, that think they have all the answers and clearly don't. And instead, they're making our lives much worse. Well, y'all, that's what we have time for today on the Andrew Cooperwriter Show. I'll be back here tomorrow with a new episode at 1 o'clock. We'll see you then. Have a great rest of your day.